Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Loving Theology today. We're continuing a series on getting motivated, and today I want to ask the question, what if I don't succeed? And my hope is that in this process, we're going to address the fear of failure. Now, in our struggle for motivation, a lot of things can stand in our way, not least of which is fear, particularly the fear of failure. We all feel it, and to be honest, it's a pretty rational fear. The reality of this world is that even when we try our hardest, even whenever we are diligent and thoughtful, failure will still find us out. That's because of a very simple truth. So many things are outside of our control, even important things. We can do everything right with regards to our inputs or our efforts and still find that the outputs or the results are nevertheless lacking. In this series on getting motivated, we talked last time about how to overcome feelings of inadequacy that can hold us back. We gained insight from the parable of the talents. But if I could characterize the difference between feelings of inadequacy and a fear of failure, it would be with a simple description. When we feel inadequate, we feel that we're not capable of providing the necessary inputs. But whenever we feel a fear of failure, we fear that even with the proper inputs, we still won't be able to achieve the outputs or the results that we want. Whereas the servant with two talents taught us how to respond to the feelings of inadequacy last time, I saw answers to our struggle with, with the fear of failure in the story of the servant with just one talent. We're going to see what those answers are today. Now, in the parable of the talents, the master of the house gave talents to his servants based on their ability before going on a journey. To one he gave five, to another two, and to the third he gave just one talent. The first two servants worked hard with what they were interested, trading with them to make a return. The third servant, however, didn't follow that example. Instead, it says that he went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. But why? Why did he do this? He explains his reasoning whenever he was asked to give an account for what was entrusted to him. He comes forward and he says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. That's Matthew 25, starting in verse 24. Notice how he said, so I was afraid. In a way, what he's describing here really is a fear of failure, more particularly because his statement follows his description of what the master's standards were, he was afraid that he would fail against those standards. His account of the mastered standards, though, does sound pretty overwhelming. I feel like I would fear a feel I would feel a fear of failure if um, if those were the standards I was being held to. Now, clearly, in this parable, the master represents God. So, the servant with one talent was describing his understanding of God's standards. Whenever he said that he was a hard man, reaping where he didn't sow, and gathering where he scattered no seed. So in saying that he reaped where he didn't sow, this servant describes an agricultural equivalent to what we started with in this post. He's essentially saying, God, you are expecting to find success, in other words, outputs or a harvest, but you didn't do your part to make that possible or give inputs or sowing. So you're expecting to find success, but you didn't do your part, God, to make that possible. I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that this is almost exactly how I've felt after facing failure. I felt like I did my part, but so many important things were outside of my control, similar to what we talked about at the beginning. 
Like a quote-unquote good Christian, I left those in God's hands. However, whenever things didn't succeed like I expected or wanted, it felt like God hadn't done his part. Once we dig past the veneer of our Christianese, I think a lot of us can hear our own thoughts in what this servant said. It's easy to feel that God holds us responsible for things that are outside of our control, but he doesn't help us with them. The truth, though, is that neither of those statements are true. Let's evaluate it this way. Let's put the words of the third servant to the test. Was he right about the master's or God's character? Was he right about what the master expected of him? Was he right about what God expects of us? Let's see if the master in this parable really did reap where he didn't sow. So let's start with the reaping part. When the master returned, did he reap or gather the talents that he'd given to his servants? Nope. A little later, he refers to the first servant as him who has 10 talents. In other words, not only did the master let not only did the master let this servant keep or manage the five talents that he had earned, but he also didn't even gather the original five talents that he had given to him. What about the sowing part? Were the servants asked to do this investing with their own talents? Nope. At the start of this parable, the master provided the talents to his servants. In other words, similar to what 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, God provided the seed to be sown. In the strictest sense, I suppose the master didn't provide, did just provide the seed for sowing, but didn't actually do the sowing. Why was that? Because that was what he asked the servants. That's what he asks us to do. He's given us a purpose by asking us to be a part of his plan. Let me summarize what this tells us about God's part and our part. God first entrusts us with the seed or the talents that he wants sown or invested. And that can be things like money or skills or time that we have. The gospel, the revelations, the messages that he shows us, or the family, neighbors, and people that are in our lives. Then he gives us a mission and a purpose. He asks us to go to work, to invest and sow these things by following the example that Christ has set for us. But what about the results? What if our investments fail? What if our neighbors decline the invitation? God has provided the seed and we have sown it. We have cared for it and watered it. But are we responsible for making it grow? Thankfully, the answer is no. God not only provides the seed, but he also provides the growth. This is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. Paul talking, saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, he's saying, I did the planting, another apostle, another Christian did the watering, but God is the one who caused the growth. What this tells us is somewhat simple. We are not responsible for the outcome. Now we do have a part to play. We have been given a purpose and a mission. We are still responsible for our part, which is to invest, to plant, and to water what he has entrusted to us. We get to do the fun part that challenges us to work hard and be creative. And we get to leave the fear of failure with God because it's his part to make our efforts bring success. We have another post that's called The Work and the Worry that I would encourage you to check out if you want to hear more on that. However, if we aren't evaluated by the results, what are we evaluated against? What does our part look like? In other words, like we discussed last week, if God doesn't look at our success the same way that we do, in other words, by the results, How does God look at our success? How does God 
define success. Next time, I'm excited to share the illustration that God showed me to answer this question out of the same passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that we just saw. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out as we wrap up this series on learning how God by learning how God defines success so that we know what we're getting motivated to do. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I hope that this was helpful to you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us here as well as on Instagram so that you can catch all of these points in different formats and also see some engaging reels that Monica puts together. Again, thanks for taking the time to join us.